This is Lori Koppelman. Thank you for joining us for the Clutter Chronicles podcast, One Woman's Journey Through Stuff. This is a serial podcast about a recovering hoarder named Mary, who lets me ask her anything I want about her struggle. She is honest and brave every single conversation. Mary is sharing her story in the hope that it will help others, so please help us get the word out. As we all know, nothing beats a personal recommendation. You can also support our efforts by becoming a patron of the show on a website called patreon.com. Once there, search for Clutter Chronicles and you can see the levels of support that you can choose from. I am so grateful to all of our patrons. Last time we talked, Mary was talking about the natural disaster that happened in her basement and the good that came from it. In today's conversation, as if on cue, another backward step happens in the healing process for Mary, and we bring her anxiety issues into focus. studio this is Lori and Mary and it's been a few months I think that's a refrain I have often when we meet because there needs to be time for you to continue on with your efforts and I looked back and it's almost been four months I think Mm. since we've met I know and we're we're in the high season of my favorite season which is summer Mm -hmm. and um, we complain a lot about the weather so I think (laughs) I want to say I love the weather (laughs) right now um so uh of course I'm dying to hear what's been going on and we have been in touch a little bit and I know um I shared this on our on our Facebook page that uh you said that you felt like you earned the right to record again (laughs) we've been a little sensitive to not wanting to repeat Mm-hmm. ourselves or yourself I guess um have progress to share and so that was a really fun text to get from you mm-hmm. and I was out of town and we couldn't do anything to schedule but it didn't even seem to take that long right. so I'm so glad you're here again yay. yay so um where do you want to start with catching us up um I I guess I'll just uh I don't know I, I mean, I could start with where I left off, which was um, I had told you that I had received a healing and that the impact that had on me. And what's funny is I um, re-listened to the last two recordings before this mm-hmm. so that I could remember what we talked about. And my takeaway from that is, boy, do I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, duh. <laughs> We need, you don't have a podcast unless you know how to talk, right? That's been, but what do you, but come on, it was like, I, and I can tell there's a change in me because I'm like, just get on with it. Why do you have to tell every little detail of every little excruciating part of your story? And, and it's interesting. I've analyzed that a lot, of course, because I analyzed everything and I think it has to do with wanting everybody to be on the same page with me. And it's not just because I want people to understand, it's that I don't want to be misunderstood, which is the core of my struggles, Mm -hmm. right? And there's freedom 
in summing up a story, coming up with the highlights and letting people just hear the highlights and they don't need to hear, you know, every little detail. And when I was listening, I was like, Mary, just get on with the story. I don't know. I felt it. And mm. I, I, I apologize if this is my style and it's always been because it's changing. <laughs> have you listened to other ones before? I have. And I don't know why this struck me. And I thought, well, maybe it's just because I think the momentum is changing in me. And I I just, um, I don't know how to explain it, but I have this urgency to be over this. And to hear the story again, it's like, come on. I mean, Mary, that was long time ago where we've moved on from there so that could have been more of what I was responding to yeah, yeah. but then I just kind of think growing up I remember people saying could you just get to the point because <laughs> I'm a storyteller right uh -huh. so I was like what's behind the story it's it's about everyone coming and journeying with me of how I'm viewing the event but it again it I'm I'm just saying I Beware, I've changed. Okay. All <laughs> hopefully, right. Hopefully I've improved, even if it's just a little bit. Well, I I haven't thought that you've talked too much um, because I, I find you fascinating, which is how this whole thing started, <laughs> was us having coffee and you telling me where you were at with things and where I got the inspiration to do this show mm -hmm. was I find you fascinating. So um, that has never been something I've thought. And if I have, I've jumped in with a question to... to to keep it moving. So sure. I don't think you have okay, to good. worry. That's a good, that's a good point. And okay. the beauty of technology is people can fast forward or not right. listen. Right. Right? right. I mean, this right. is, we're doing what we want to do. And if you're sensitive now that you think right. you've talked too much and you want to do something about it, that's fine. Okay. But I don't, I don't okay. think I've, I haven't had that okay. um, feeling. So, um, it's, it is excruciating. I, I've done some videos in the past, and I think we've mentioned them. Um, I call them breathers. Mm -hmm. And it is kind of excruciating to go back and watch yourself sometimes. <laughs> and it depends on the mood you're in when right. you do it. If you're kind of fragile, I don't recommend right. it. Right. Um, so I don't know where you were. I wasn't fragile. You weren't fragile then? Okay. I was just pretty harsh on myself, actually. I was just like, wow, just get on with the story. All right. Well, given that, <laughs> let's get on with it. So you... <laughs> had a flood mm -hmm. and you were clearing things out you were bare, down to bare concrete mm -hmm. um what is what is your space what does your space look like right now that basement flooded space can you just bring us well to present or here, do we need steps here, before here's the interesting thing about that um i have been analyzing in fact i analyzed it today like sitting down i'm like okay i'm gonna go and i'm gonna talk what is this what is this thing that is just still um, journeying with me that I want gone. What is it? And I, I, I don't know how to explain this other than, um, okay, so let's say when I was in my full, full-on hoarding inability to let go, I was at a one. And full-on letting go of everything, anyone could come in and take whatever they want would be a 10, Okay. I don't know if I ever get to a 10, but how I felt when I took those carloads of stuff before my trip and just gave them away without having to list, without having to worry, I felt like I was on my way to a 10. I was probably maybe even a 7. Mm 
Okay. But with each new um, challenge, it's almost as if I'm back to one again. And it, it drives me nuts. Mm. So you would think that if I got to a seven yesterday, let's say yesterday I just delivered. Well, I have. I have been delivering stuff. You'd think if I got to that point, I would just continue from that point and just keep improving. Move to eight. Yes. Move to nine. Yes. And get get to find right. But not go back to one. Right. Oh. And that is. it's, it's, It's like it's happened enough. You know, in the past, I thought it was just because I wasn't healed or wasn't doing well. Well, now I, I, I mean, the the theme has been, who is Mary now? Now that you no longer have that particular wound, it doesn't mean I'm not wounded in other ways, but this particular wound was, I think, festering. It was not um, a scar. It was still open. And to have that plucked out um, in my just day-to-day existence the lack of it has been amazing because I think what that wound led to for me see this all is in, is in encompassed in anxiety whatever wherever the anxiety started could have even started before the wounds I can't say the wound caused the anxiety but inside anxiety you can't think straight you can't make decisions you can't trust yourself. You can't feel empowered. And when that wound was gone and I felt so relieved from it, I think the anxiety was temporarily gone. Like if you could take a pill to get rid of the anxiety, you'd be surprised how much anxiety is is intertwined in everything we do. Mm-hmm. And so someone could have the full-on anxiety where they can't get out of bed, but then there's this little nudges of anxiety that we can have. You know, it's raining, what if this happens? You know, I don't know. Just natural worries. And and so I, I don't know how to explain this other than I'm realizing that the pattern is the anxiety comes back. And when the anxiety is back, I'm back at square one. So how do you... Um, how do you work inside anxiety because it's always going to be there. And when you say back at square one, meaning you don't want to let anything go. I can't um, make a decision. You can't make a decision. Okay. And I think that when I was living with anxiety and um, pretty much not questioning that I didn't have to live with anxiety, my decisions were out of knee-jerk reactions, um, out of passion, out of gut feelings, triggers. And what's interesting about that is they they mimicked decision-making, but it was more like uh, flowing through life and this is reacting to that and me making decisions because of these circumstances that came to be from maybe not making decisions in the first place. Right. So I don't have the triggers, which were what would make me make the decisions. So what I'm left with is learning how to make decisions. And so when I'm not feeling the anxiety and I'm able to just be, I'm learning how to make decisions but then the anxiety will come up, whatever brought it on, 
And I'm learning how to make decisions inside the anxiety. Mm. <laughs> and what's interesting about that is this piece is the reason I do not have someone come and work alongside me because I want to conquer that. Right. It's always going to be there. And if I have someone come and help me clean out the house, yes, the goal of the empty house would happen. Who knows what would happen after that? Right. But it's kind of like I want it to, it's giving me chills as I'm telling you, but I want the monster to stay with me until I can attack it. I don't want it to be scurried off while someone's helping me, and then when they leave, it comes back. Right. And it's, it's, it's crazy making because it's all in me and I have to remember that I'm probably the producer of the anxiety <laughs> because I have these rules. Do I need these rules? I have lived like this. This is me. So when I've gone to my therapist after the healing, I'm saying, I, I, I said to her one day, I said, I can't stand it anymore. How long have I been coming to see you? And I still haven't carved out a place to be just peaceful in the house. I've tried and then it gets buried with stuff. I haven't carved out a, a desk. The two things I've needed since 2014, it's 2019. What the heck is going on? I've been healed and I still don't have it. And I just let it all out, and I just said that I'm fat, and I, I can't wear any of my clothing, and I'm just, just blah, blah, blah. And she's so calm and cool, and, and she says, well, let's talk about the weight. You know, when I've been overweight, like let's say I'm 40 pounds overweight, I've learned to go, hmm, I'm 40 pounds overweight. And if you can, if, if I was going to say if you can't and if you can, but let's go with the can. I'm trying to get away from can't. If you can embrace who you are right now at the moment, 40 pounds overweight, you'll actually lose the weight because it's like the pressure's off. And she said, just go out and buy one pair of pants, one that make you feel good, make you fit, fit nice. And... Um, just embrace it. And what was happening during that same time, and this kind of stemmed from my trip to St. Thomas with my husband, was trying to do opposite Mary things, where I was always trying to wear clothes that didn't fit me and then getting mad because they didn't fit me, and then I wouldn't go buy new clothes because I have a million clothes, so why would I add clothes? And I started learning about dresses and skirts and other things. And on top of that, my husband can't stand to see me wear black anymore. All I wore, probably most of the time I've known him, has been black, black and white. And part of that is because um, it's easy. It's, uh, it's a non-decision decision. And I don't know how to explain this other than um, it was a challenge that I didn't want to deal with. It's kind of like there's the grown-up and then there's the Mary. 
And once in a while I'm grown-up Mary, but often it's just one or the other. Hmm. And I'm trying to merge the two. And so when there's a wedding or a funeral, I have to get ready. I have to look nice. This is, these are the things I pull out, and I can look like an adult. But the rest of the days was just wearing yoga pants and T-shirts and just making it through the day. And what's interesting in that is it's the leftover of my depression. It's what's hung on since I've been released from those years of depression. But it's the, it's the, the final fragments that um, are still proof that I went through it. Mm. And so I challenged myself to not wear black. And it's been quite a challenge because it's forcing me to go through my clothes and, and really purge. And what's funny is now my favorite stuff that were black, I, I am repulsed by. <laughs> Doesn't mean that's going to happen. Stay. Mm-hmm. I still keep them because they're, I mean, what I'm headed towards is to have a, a, a small closet with favorite items. And I'm not, a, I'm not saying I'll never wear black again, but for right now, I'm seeking bright colors. Um, opposite Mary. The dress I'm wearing, I wore specifically for you to prove that I'm not being dictated by my own rules in my head. It's not the style I would ever buy. It's not the colors I would ever buy. It doesn't even fit me, but it doesn't um, it doesn't show off all my flaws either. And my husband loves it on me mm. for some reason. Is it new? It's a it's a new to me. It was it came from the um, reuse store. Okay. And it was actually my friend's, and she gave it to me to wear at St. Thomas, and I thought it was, you know, a little oversized so I could put it over a, a dress, I mean, a, a swimsuit. But it's ended up kind of being, like, it saves me when I'm trying to get somewhere, and I can just throw one dress on and go. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm trying to learn this rule. So I'm all over the place, but what I'm trying to say is decision-making is still hard for me even after being healed, and now it's from the other end of it because in the wound, it perpetuated the decisions. It was the engine of my decisions. Not necessarily good decisions, but they were decisions. And now I'm learning how to actually um, evaluate a situation. Does Does it move me forward? Is it the right thing to do, and then choosing it or not. Boy, you're really deconstructing what a decision is. <laughs> I have to, because I'm, I am drowning in this. Uh-huh. This, this is, this is the um, like slow motion. Yes, slow motion camera on something. Like here's when yes. this piece, ha- and then this. And let's then this. let's study this and figure out uh-huh. why it trips me up. Uh huh. So, I hope I'm not excruciating. <laughs> it, it, what, what I'm loving about this is, you know, I jump in, how does the room look? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the point. Mm-hmm. We want you to get to that right. clean, beautiful, easy. I can't remember exactly right. the words you had yep. used last time. And you will. Mm-hmm. 
And it will only happen if you can do this. Right. This is right. the thing. This this, this is, is the thing. Yep. And you, we've been whittling away, and there's been all these pieces, and and now you're down to the actual actual the core. nugget core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what can be really relatable for other people in figuring out what's what's it for for them. Yeah. What's it for me? Right. In where we get tripped up. Um, I think that it sounds painful mm-hmm. um, and it sounds like you're willing to do it mm-hmm. and then then it can't last. Right. Because you've identified it and you're willing to look at it and you don't want the shortcut anymore. Right. And you've been shortcutting for years. Right. We all do it. We right. all shortcut lots of things. And if you've if you're on yourself, then you'll get there. Right. But it's not pretty. No. And I love, by the way, the dress that you're wearing. Do you do? I do. <laughs> you walked up the sidewalk and it's like, she's transformed. <laughs> so from being healed and the last time I talked to you, you look different. Mm. I think you mm-hmm. are changing in ways um, that are starting to show up on mm. the outside. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. I love it. Mm. I love it. I love the dress and I love the change that mm. you've been making. We had a long discussion before we started and we won't recap about coloring hair and like I, I can get on a soapbox about that, but um, um, you it's starting to show up, mm-hmm. the work you're doing, because mm-hmm. you're radiating more mm. and you're lighter. Mm. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> It's true. So, uh, so can your therapist help with this mm-hmm. anxiety stuff? Because we hear there's medication for it, and I don't know if you are on are or not on medication for anxiety, or if there are other ways to treat right. it. But now that you're to the absolute core of this, where where's where's the help come? Well, it's interesting because <clears throat> I honestly, in my world, I've been on. Anxiety medicine, and I consider that a shortcut. Okay. And what's interesting is if the monster keeps creeping up, who's letting the monster in? Why can't I keep it out? What is it that allows it to creep in? I refuse to believe that I am doomed to have this all the time. I understand having it once in a while, but when I need to do something important, that's when it it sneaks in. And so I can be going along happy, 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 and then I have to make a decision and suddenly I'm debilitated. And an interesting thing happened to me just the other day where we were celebrating some relatives that were in town and so we ate really poorly. We had a lot of sugar. Um, Alcohol, pasta, carbs, things that I'm trying to keep, I've always tried to keep away from, but what happens is when you have cut something out of your diet and then you eat it again, it, it's like it's got double whammy. Mm-hmm. And the next two days or so, I'd wake up just beating myself up. And the thing is, is I, I've explained this to people in the past, I don't know if I've ever said it on here, but if your arm is broken and your arm hurts, you can point at it and go, my arm hurts. Let's, let's not move this. Let's put this in a sling. Let's deal with it. But when your head hurts, your brain thoughts hurt, 
it requires your brain to be working to recognize that it's not working. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so when you're being caught up in this web of anxiety, how do you tell yourself to stop and say, this is not real, this is not necessary, and I refuse to listen to these thoughts. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been trying to learn how to do. Mm-hmm. I, I was always intrigued by the idea of biofeedback. I don't know if you ever learned about that, but there's ways where you could... I think it was used for people who had missing limbs. One example would be they could be... Um, let's say it's your left arm and you're looking in the mirror on your... With, with the mirror next to your cheek, your right cheek. You see your right arm in the mirror... No, it's the other way around. Your right arm is missing. Your left arm exists. You look in the mirror with it close to your cheek, and you see the opposite in the mirror, so it's as if your right arm exists. Okay. And what it does for people who have missed their arm is it kind of, um, because there's like these left um, leftover nerves that still exist that are looking for the rest of the arm. It's a it's a way of of releasing that that need that's longing for that piece. And what I'm thinking of in this attacking what's attacking me is what is it that feeds it that I'm doing, regardless what it is, it could be food, it could be lack of exercise, it could be just me in bad habits, bad habit thinking that would uh, reduce this flow and not even encourage it because it's like we dance around it. We take medicine for it. You know, even exercise and and eating right is dancing around it because it's not it. I want to know how to fight it when it's on. Yeah, I'm no expert. But you hear things about brain chemistry Mm -hmm. and people who take depression medication for forever Mm -hmm. because it's their brain chemistry, like you would take a high blood pressure medication or cholesterol or or any Mm -hmm. number of sort of maintenance drugs. It's it's not something you can, that we think... You can't produce on your own. We can't fix or cure. And there's there's been a lot of work on being... No shame in that. There's nothing any different... with a brain issue than there is with the arm issue or, right. or what have you, blood, whatever. Um, do you think that you just, this is just part of your brain chemistry? I, I do, but I think it's learned. I think it's, it's like, um, it was welcomed whenever, hmm. whenever I, when I had that wound, it, it, so you're a, a host. Uh, I was a host uh, for what's it. What's the word? Um, <laughs> like, uh, shoot. There's a phrase I can't think of. But oh, no. Like, um, a positive host, a mm-hmm. welcoming host, mm-hmm. a, something mm-hmm. like that, that said, mm-hmm. hey, come on in. It's yeah. fine here. Right. Just make yourself at home. It, it makes sense that you're here because I'm already miserable. Why don't you just join me? So that... Maybe there's some brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. We're not going to figure that out. Mm-hmm. But if it's more than that, that's the piece that you, right. you're trying to get at. So so if I'm searching to become the best that I can be personally, 
naturally it would be to eat right and exercise. And that's fine. If that was enough to keep the anxiety away, that's great. But the thing is, I trip up. I'm not always going to eat right and, and exercise. So I would like to have some combative ways of dealing with it. And one of them is just to say, you know, go away. I won't listen to these lies anymore. And it works. It's it's like you're... I think there's multiple ways for it to creep in, and we do what we can. If I was so debilitated that I couldn't function, absolutely I would take some medicine. But I feel like I've survived pretty well without being on it enough to give me hope that I could actually beat this thing Mm -hmm. or at least be able to stomp on it and step on it enough where, yes, it's there, but I got it under control. And what's your therapist's view on on that? Is she in favor of this approach? It's funny because she hasn't heard it yet. Oh, okay. (laughs) She'll hear it on uh, Tuesday. This is new. (laughs) Gotcha. Real new. This is very, very fresh. Mm -hmm. And um, it actually is born out of that same session where she said, I need to embrace my weight Mm -hmm. and just be okay with it, acceptance. Um, she, I, I brought a picture. I, I don't know if we'll ever show it to anybody, but I'll show it to you so you can understand what I mean. She, she drew a circle and then a stick figure with a little dress on, that's me, and then a stick figure next to her, and that's my husband. And in that circle, we are next to each other, and it's called the chaos c- circle. And everything outside of it, and there's some stick figures and church and everything, is outside of the chaos. And we've touched on this before, but this has huge, huge, huge um, value to me now. Because when I met my husband, he was outside of the chaos. And then when we married, the poor guy stepped into the chaos. And he's been surviving in it for eight years. And when Marie Kondo picks up something and says, does it give me joy? I've changed it to, does it bring me chaos? Because I am chaos right now. I am like the embodiment of chaos in my life. I am, I am the, the, the source of it. And I want to change that. And what's interesting is when I'm functioning outside, like when I'm talking to you right now, you don't feel the chaos. I, I describe it to you, but we're outside of that. Mm-hmm. But I can't move because wherever I move, it's going to follow me. So I have to fix this. I think the chaos is the anxiety. And, uh, Obviously, with less stuff, there's less chaos. The only answer is simplify. It's what all the the books say when you're trying to get control of your life. So I'm not saying anything new, but I'm coming at it from an angle of, I think the chaos feeds the anxiety, and maybe even vice versa. They, that's symbiotic. Mm-hmm. And how do I... How do I stop that? 
Um, I think that if my house was clean um, a year ago, because that was before I got healed, like someone came over and I was able to just allow people, let me, let's say I got to a point where I was able to let it go and allow people to just come to take it away. What wasn't addressed was the chaos. And that is born from that wound. So an example of that is, um, it's, I think we all kind of live two lives. We have the inside our family and then the outside our family. You know, we have our core people that know us really well. And there's, I'm not against that. But since my husband will not enable me in my chaos and also won't help me outside of it, <laughs> I'm forced to figure it out on my own. And... I know what it's like to be outside of chaos, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm holding on to. Mm-hmm. Is what does it feel like when I'm feeling peaceful? What does it feel like when I'm having an intelligent conversation? So when do I'm when am I talking to my husband? When we're in the bubble. When are we functioning in the bubble? So. Um, I kind of feel like I'm going in circles, but that's the chaos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I'm going to wrap us up. Okay. I'm just trying to think of how to do that. Um, there's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. And we came off a really big high. Mm-hmm. And this is sort of... Uh, a pattern, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You find some success, and then you all hell breaks loose. You have a uh, <laughs> okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> you have a backward step, or what maybe right. feels like a backward right. step. Um, I don't know if it is, mm-hmm. but it seems like that has been the pattern, mm-hmm. and um, which also means that then there'll be another success, right? Um, but let's stop there and let's see if we've got, I, I think there's more to talk yeah, about because, um, yes, you've got a big smile on your face with that. <laughs> we will come back for another episode. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, thank you. And that ends today's Chronicle. I am so moved by Mary's persistence to not take any shortcuts. I know I love a good shortcut, an end run, a faster way, efficiencies. But as I heard someone say this summer, the fastest way is to go slowly. And I think there is great truth in that. Thanks so much to my brother, Michael Koppelman, for sharing his gorgeous music. And thanks to you, our listeners who are cheering Mary on, We love hearing from you, whether it's on Facebook or by writing a review of our show. Stay tuned to find out what happens next on Clutter Chronicles.